AA Beyond Belief is a podcast by, for, and about people who have found a secular path to sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous. John, welcome. How y'all doing? And I am here with Angela. Angela, how you doing over there? I'm doing good. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it is Friday. So. Yes, it is yeah. Friday, and I am so glad. I, I was uh, telling people in the chat before the um, before this started that uh, I, I'm going to have the week off, and I'm just like we're so ready for it. I've just been crazy busy at work and. I really need some downtime. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. So a lot has changed over the last six months. Uh, meetings have moved from church basements to Zoom. The General Service Conference met online last April. Area assemblies and districts are doing the same. And the, even the International AA Convention was virtual. So geography doesn't seem to matter anymore, nor do borders. And you can go to meetings in any city, in any country, and anywhere in the world. So is this a new era for Alcoholics Anonymous? And if so, do we as AA members have an obligation to help usher it in? That's what today's episode is all about. So please join the conversation with uh, Angela and I by calling us at 844-899-8278 or by sharing your comments in the YouTube and Facebook chat. Should be interesting, uh, but please do participate. We, uh, we definitely would like to hear from you. So, you know, call in, uh, chat away and, uh, let's just, uh, make this a, uh, participatory podcast. So Angela, where should we begin? Um, well, we can begin with, uh, where the idea came about for this, I guess. Yeah, um, so last it. weekend, uh, we both attended, well, I attended and you helped, um, do the tech for a workshop. Is that what we were calling it or just webinar? Yeah. Um, webinar the, emotional workshop. Mm -hmm. the emotional sobriety webinar, uh, that the free thinkers group, um, in Arizona, uh, put together. It, it was great. Um, a lot of good information in it. Um, <laughs> I tried to to take notes, and I'm actually terrible, apparently, at, at taking notes because uh, Jonathan asked, you know, how it went, what what I learned, and so I read in my notes, and they went something like this: um, it, uh, the first person um, read what she had to say, um, and that I've heard her speak before um, at the 2014 uh, convention uh, for. Well, it wasn't secular then. It was free thinkers and agnostics and, you know, whatever else in Santa Monica. <laughs> um, but that she was talking fast, which is funny because I, yeah, I, she was talking fast. really fast. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I couldn't concentrate. I, I couldn't hear what she was saying. Yeah. And I wasn't used to the webinar form. And so I was trying to understand, you know, if, if we were going to be seeing other people or just seeing the person talking. And then there, her name was blinking the whole time she was talking. And so it was, it was taking me a little bit of time to acclimate so i don't know what she said <laughs> yeah and you know she actually talked fast like that when she was speaking in santa monica if you yes, remember mm -hmm. yes it yeah. seems to be part of part of her personality <laughs> um but uh then um i got i believe from john um emotions need to be regulated not amputated um, and that you can't uh, uh, reason uh, feelings. Um, they can't be reasoned out of. Um, and uh, that uh, I think from Joe, uh, a statement of uh, uh, if you want to learn to swim, you can't just read a book. You have to get into the water. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that it was Bill's hope that emotional uh, sobriety would be the next level in AA, um, uh, kind of like a stage two recovery. That's kind of where you got the idea, huh? Yeah. A new era uh, for AA. Okay. Yeah. And then he read from the Velveteen Rabbit, the Are You Real thing about the silk horse talk. <laughs> and Jonathan's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the Velveteen Rabbit, silk horse talk. And, and I'm like, I actually didn't read it, but we were all very emotional. So it was effective. Um, 
And that, uh, yeah, if you're having trouble, uh, emotional trouble in recovery, it doesn't mean that, that something's wrong. Um, and, uh, and then a lack of, lack of in, inner intimacy leads to emotional dependency. I think that was, uh, Dr. Allen, uh, B. Uh, and then he talked about the digestive system. <laughs> And, um, and nourishment, like the apple, uh, he used as an example that um, you bite in, in, into the apple, the stomach mulches, intestines extract from the apple. He actually um, ate in front of the audience, too, as a way to demonstrate yeah. that. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and as it does it, it no longer is the apple. It becomes us. We become the apple. And then we eliminate what we don't need. And that that's basically uh, emotional sobriety. <laughs> and and uh, Jonathan's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, it was really great. So he was glad I got something out of it. But um, I really did. I, I mean, there was more that I, I got out of it, but I, I just don't take notes very well. And, um, and so I was still thinking about it um, the next day um, on Sunday. And Sunday mornings, I uh, run a Zoom meeting for my sponsor that's a... Um, more of a traditional women's meeting and uh and the topic <laughs> the topic was um let's see what was it it was uh rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path you know so it's like as far from what i was thinking about you know within uh recovery terms almost as possible and uh and so you know the person shared on that and then another person with long-term sobriety shared on that you know this isn't a do-it-yourself program and uh and that you know things like that and so uh they went around picking people and uh finally you know, somebody picked me. I think I was probably last because they knew I wouldn't be happy about it. Or I'd say something that was, uh, you know, not easy to digest, uh, which was true. Um, you know, I, I said that I, that that's simply not true. Um, that, that there is a, a, uh, pretty, uh, well-documented, um, you know, path showing that we, AA isn't effective for everyone. Um, and that we kind of do create our own <laughs> program. We do, don't we? <laughs> because, you know, that's one of the things that most people say to newcomers if they're struggling with the higher power concept is that you just can create, you know, your own. Um, and so, yes, there are some things that we do that are similar, that are helpful. You know, like within AA, uh, we do sobriety, you know, the majority of us. Um, and some programs do not. But, you know, that's what we recommend when you're getting started. And um, and so, yeah, so I, I talked about that um, and, and uh, you know, that it's it, it just fails a lot of people. And that maybe part of the reason is that we keep picking subjects to talk about from the big book as if they're, you know, a guide for today rather than consulting current, you know, scientific understandings or um, at the very least uh, consulting some of Bill W.'s later writings. You know, mm, if isn't we wanna, that the truth? Yeah, if we want to, you know, keep the profit thing going, then we can at least use, you know, <laughs> the his latest thing. works. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> because a lot of people do. They seem Oh, yeah. that, you know, they deify Bill and Bob. They do, yeah. And so, you know, if we, if you want to keep going that way, you know, fine, it's your meeting, but at least use, you know, some of his, his later writings. Yeah, when he reached he, a higher state of uh, he divinity. Did, you know, evolved, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and so then, you know, I mentioned, you know, like the, the letters published to the grapevine, which is, uh, you know, conference approved literature. And, um, and then, you know, bring those to the meetings um, that, that, yeah, you know, the letter that he wrote that we were talking about, I think the, the title is the next frontier yeah, emotional that's sobriety. Right. Emotional yeah, sobriety, the next frontier. 1958. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and what I loved it that I hadn't ever picked up on before was where he talks about, um, you know, let's see, I, I found I needed to exert uh, every ounce of will and action to cut off these faulty emotional dependencies upon people, upon AA, indeed upon any set of circumstances whatsoever. And then later in the thing, we may be able to 12th step ourselves and others into emotional sobriety. 
And so I thought those those were cool, both the dependent upon AA, because I've struggled with that uh, during the uh, pandemic. Um, yes, I think that we need to connect with each other. And I think Zoom and social distancing, we can do some of that. But some people um, have, uh, I think, uh, put others in danger or put themselves in danger because they felt like they couldn't um, stay sober unless they were physically in proximity of, of other alcoholics. And, um, and you know, I've come around that may, maybe that's true, you know, um, but uh, to me it seemed like a dependence on AA in a non-healthy way. And uh, so, yeah, so had some judgments on that. Um, <laughs> but but that's where the topic came from or the idea came from was that I, I you know, attended this uh, webinar and was excited about the ideas and, uh, you know, what was presented. And it gave me a lot to think about as far as my own recovery and what I would like to see. And then the next day being in a, a traditional meeting where it was just, you know, the same thing. Um, from the big book of a part that, you know, I don't care for or think that's true. <laughs> and, and so I, I, you know, had that, uh, that feeling that I think a lot of us get where we're like, wait, this doesn't, this doesn't equal out, you know, and, and how do I make it? And should I even, you know, try to um, help this group move into, you know, the 21st century? Or do I just let them do their thing? Um you know, a lot of things to, to think about on, on, you know, what is our, our help, you know, what would be a helpful way to, um, to bring this information into these meetings? Sure. Right. Um, to kind of shake things up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, at that meeting, I was a little bit, you know, um, excitable. Uh, <laughs> but, but but, you know, somebody there needed to hear me. that though. Yeah. They, they, they knew me. And, uh, and so it wasn't, you know, in a meeting where people didn't know me, I probably would have uh, tried to, to choose my words even more carefully or something, but, uh, but there, you know, I'm comfortable enough that, that, you know, I just can kind of go off like that and, and know that people at least have the tools to write a resentment inventory if they needed to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, is it our responsibility to drag traditional uh, meetings uh, kicking and screaming into the 21st century, you know, um, or are we in a simulation um, so that this recovery stuff is nonsense? Or alternately, if we are in a simulation, uh, will our current consciousness be leveled up, you know, one-upped if we are successful at bringing AA, you know, bringing real change in AA? There's there's a lot of questions yeah. to, to so think your story about. Remind, your story um, reminded me of some of the things that I was thinking about when it comes to, you know, a possible new era for AA. Because what you experienced is is something that I think a lot of people are experiencing. Because now, with um, with all these online meetings, people are being exposed to a, a larger variety of views, I think, and experiences than they were when they were limited to their meeting in their own town in their own um, home group. You know, right. And yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, for example, there were a lot of people who never had access to a secular meeting and are now finding them. Some of them are finding them by accident and, th and, and thinking, Hey, this is pretty cool. And others um, sought them out, you know, once they had that opportunity. So, you know, what I'm noticing is that, you know, the, um, I guess the, the breakdown of barriers, uh, geographically, that is allowing for a more um, free flowing, um, you know, I, a free flow of ideas, you know, more so than we were getting before and more interaction with different, with people from different um, walks of life and that kind of thing. And that's what happened with you. I think, I think, you know, you were in that meeting and you were, um, you know, making points that other people may not have thought of before or heard of before, but now someone in that meeting has, and they might just pick it up and go to another meeting and talk about that. Right. Yeah. And then be shunned and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's one of the things that has been helpful about this. So I, I think that, that we are um, 
it's going to be different uh, when we do go back to brick and mortar and that, you know, some of the meetings are going to be hybrid and some will be stay on Zoom, um, but uh, that I don't think AA will be completely the same. I mean, because, you know, just like with that meeting, it was, you know, somebody trying to bring a traditional subject and, you know, and then there's me that, that's like, well, what about this? And what about this? And, you know, what about this? And, and that's going to be everywhere now, um, you know, and people are going to be starting meetings that are more secular. Um, and also there's, there's stuff going on. Like um, one of the things that our group is doing um, is we've created a, a subcommittee that's uh, looking into um, what's going on at the, uh, a discussion that's going to happen at the 71st conference um, hmm. uh, regarding the Lord's prayer. Oh, really? What's that about? Uh, yeah, and it's, so it's, it's. Uh, I think somebody had sum- submitted, you know, probably Roger. <laughs> Roger, let me know if you're listening, um, that uh, that we shouldn't say the Lord's Prayer um, at uh, any of the international conventions. Um, and, uh, and that, uh, and so they were going to discuss it this year, but then, you know, things went down the way they did, and they decided it, it was too complex of a, topic to be able to make a quick decision on. Um, so they, they had some discussion on it um, and then, you know, moved it to uh, being discussed next year. So our group wanted to understand what's going on better. So we created a subcommittee to, to uh, look at it more and, and then uh, bring it back to the group for us to send a letter to whoever we need to send a letter to, to express our group's um, thoughts on it. And, uh, and right now, I guess um, the discussion that has been had um, at the, uh, the conference level or, you know, whichever committee is working on this um, is that uh, the takeaways they have is, uh, the use of uh, the Lord's Prayer at meetings and at big inter- international um, conferences can create controversy and supports the perception that AA is a religious organization. And so I thought it was interesting that they used the create controversy because then they can fall back on some of the tradition stuff that, you know, that we do not engage in controversy as a way to possibly move this out of our um out of our moray or whatever. <laughs> that know? is really interesting that they're, yeah. they're going to be talking about that. By yeah. the way, we do have a caller. Should we take this okay. call? Sure. See who this is. Hello. How are you? Hi, this is Fred in Virginia. Oh, hey, Fred. What's hey, up? Fred. <laughs> uh, I've been listening to, to Angela's uh, GSI report of uh, Arizona and her, uh, and her talks. I think she's a, uh, He's hit something on the head. I remember uh, way back when when they had that uh, 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 stage two recovery. Uh, that book came out. I think it was in the in the early eighty uh, uh, in the in the late eighties. And uh, nineteen eighty eight, I remember in Macon, she had that. Uh, they had that. Uh, thing in Georgia where they were the last state to to pick a delegate for the state conventions out of the hat and they were try- and they were trying to and they were trying to uh, make it to majority rules so some of the th- so some of the things she's talking about today are exactly the same with the new era of uh, with the new era of AA as the uh, what she's going through now with the state with the with the conferences and stuff or the webinar that she was on, so you know uh, I think that uh, you look at that book stage two recovery. I remember I gave it away. I had it. I had a copy of it. I gave it away to somebody that I never received it back. But they they uh, talked about toe tappers. Uh, people who people who danced around danced around the, the conversation or or, the, or their life they they, they uh, talked about the, the the dependency codependency issues and all the things that happen and uh, well, the codependency was always a big issue yeah. Uh, uh, whether whether you needed somebody else to keep you sober or not, it's the same thing today. Yeah. And and uh, 
when you realize all you have to do is not not drink. Yeah. My goodness, it's 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 a whole different story. It is. You know. Well, thank you, Fred, for calling. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think that you've given us something to talk about there as far as, you know, the, the different way of um, viewing sobriety uh, like that or recovery in general. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you take you have a good, good weekend. OK. Take care. OK, because that was that was a really great book. And I, mm-hmm. I really thank you, John, for bringing your show to the oh, end. Because heck. Well, thank you without, for calling. Without you. Yeah, without you, uh, you know, it seems like a, it's pretty hard to get to meetings around here because of the COVID. And, uh, you know, at least there's a topic. At least there's a potential. Uh, seems like a sobriety. Sobriety is always in the future because because everything we've accomplished so far, if we don't look to the future, we're never, that's the new era, you know. Yeah. All right, Fred. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yeah, you know, something that he said there about, you know, it's hard to find meetings in Virginia, and now he can find meetings anywhere he wants. He can go to meetings here. He can come to this this live stream. He he can find all kinds of information now online and all kinds of meetings all all over the place. And that's a game changer, you know, because now – you know, Fred is no longer just exposed to his um, groups and the culture of AA in his local area, but he is becoming exposed to AA um, as it is taking place all over the world. And it's a lot different in different places. So Bob K made a comment there, and I wasn't quite sure if this is the real Bob K. I think it is because his picture is there. And the reason I say that, Bob, is we actually have had somebody um, pose as you that really wasn't you. So he said, <laughs> he says that even some of the fundies can see that the Lord's Prayer at the very least creates a perceived affiliation with Christianity. I would say so. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the, the talking points that they were discussing for, you know, the next, uh, the 71st conference. Yeah. So that's going to be the next general service conference. That will be the one coming up. That'll be uh, the one in, in May. So yeah, um, they can see that although uh, prayer is a part of AA history and widely used in some areas, it can make some members feel excluded. Um, and then uh, to keep in mind when selecting how to end your meetings, um, how is that perceived by newcomers? Um, then they mentioned the diversity of the fellowship and need for everyone to feel included. Um, and, and, uh, that maybe they'll send out a survey, um, for the fellowship for a wider sharing of opinions and stuff. Um, and then the last thing I put as a note is that, um, Oh, that they were talking about, given the international nature of the conference, uh, specifically in question, um, how the Lord's Prayer would be perceived by people in other countries, you know, which, yeah, I think that that we uh, we tend to forget about. Um, so, yeah, so that was something that I thought was interesting as far as, uh, as at least um, culturally speaking, um, uh, AA starting to move into a... Um, into another direction. There's also the, a lot, a lot more. I, I speak a good English. Okay. A lot more people are becoming aware of that document that um, somebody in our AA Beyond Belief group posted today regarding the Synonym cult influence. Oh, yeah. Um, is that from the Orange Papers? Is that what that um, is from? No, it, it's um, from the UK Minority Report. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in, yeah, 2017. Um, and it is, it is kind of a dry read for those who, uh, who are not, uh, you know, used to reading <laughs> papers like that. I mean, the name itself, Synonym Cult, Influence on Alcoholics Anonymous, Addiction Treatment and the Criminal Justice System, 1968 to 2017. Um, that's the full title in case anybody wants to look it up. Um, but yeah, um, just having that out there because it does explain um, a little bit why we have people who have either, um, you know, 25 years of sobriety or 30 years of sobriety, and then they left for a while because it got too much for them. 
and are coming back because they've heard of secular meetings or this take on things. Um, and then talking about the difference that when they got sober 30 years ago, there wasn't all this talk about God, um, that there wasn't, you know, um, as much of the, you know, it, it was just different. It was more of a, um, of a talking about things that helped you get and stay sober and how to be of service Another and kind caller. of change those things. Another caller. Sorry, Angela. Oh, no, I, I think this it's is. Yeah, I just talk when we don't have people. <laughs> and there's another one in queue as well. Hey, how you doing? Okay. Pretty good. Um, I, um, one of the things I've noticed, I thoroughly am just so glad that I found um, the secular AA community. Um, and I, I probably sometimes feel like, they, I don't know what the muckers, people that were muckers, and hardcore about reading the first 164 pages were, but I um I often feel like that because um in a sense because I'm I'm just I'm just so high on it. It's like a uh, like a permanent cloud, and I feel so energized that you know, and I enjoy talking about it and telling other people about it, and um. You know, a lot of times it falls on uh, deaf ears, but um, it's nice. You know, I did a talk a couple of weeks ago at a halfway house, and they were interested in knowing about that sort of stuff. But then we're stuck with COVID, and so we can't get out and do a meeting, you know. So, but I get energized by this, and I, I, I feel it's like i got to watch myself sometimes just because... I hear you. I know. I felt the same way. In fact, uh, it, was, it was kind of ironic. You know, I, um, <laughs> I, I had been in AA for quite some time, but was never really involved in it. But after we started our secular group in KC, man, I, AA became, came alive for me. I got more involved with oh, the different service organizations within my community and in our, in our area. And... Um, was really more excited about AA because I thought about, you know, the possibilities, what AA could be, you know, kind of like what we're talking about today, Angela, you know, the possibility of a different future for AA, a different culture, I guess, within Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, I think it's something that um, will evolve um, over time. And maybe this event, this COVID event is going to push it along, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. Well, thank you for calling in. I, I missed your name. What's your name? And where are you from? Oh, it, it's Joe. Joe. Hi, Joe. Joe M. Oh, Joe M. Oh, there you are. Thank you. <laughs> you actually yeah. called in. How about that? <laughs> nice to hear from you. I should have recognized your voice. We Thanks actually talked well. once before on the phone. So cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, we it's did. It's so yeah, good yeah. to hear from you, Joe. Thank yeah, you. Relax. You guys, uh, thank you for the podcast. Oh, Thanks man. For Thanks for listening yeah, and for all your support. Well. It's so great to hear, hear from yes. you. Thank you. Yes. Love that. All right. Good. How cool. Nice. Yeah, Joe's always in there. I mean, I I I don't know that he's missed one. And, he has not uh, missed one of these live streams yeah. yet. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think I would be concerned. It'd be like, what happened? There yeah. must be a tech problem. Joe's not there. Yeah, how fun. Um, and yeah. he's he's always making comments too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he he keeps the chat going. Thank so, you, Joe. Yeah, you, you make you make this this live stream what it is. You certainly I do. think so. Yeah. So, dude, we have another caller. Or no, we had one in queue, but they left. They might okay. come back. Yeah, they're like, wait, nope, I'm not waiting. Impatient. <laughs> you know, some things that I was thinking about that COVID has done, okay, because it has pushed everything online, you know, like the General Service Conference met for the first time online. That General Service Conference would cost a lot of money, and they can save they can save a fortune now by doing it online. They can also make it maybe more transparent by making it accessible for people who can't go to the conference to maybe at least watch, you know, and, and get maybe some updates online and so forth. Um, so there's, there's an opportunity for more people getting involved in service, but I think there's also going to be a need. Here's the person calling back. I think there's going to be a need for a different structure, a structure that handles specifically online meetings and online resources. Let's see who this might be. It's area code 914. Hello. Oh, I didn't press the talk. Hello. Hello. My name is Catherine. How are you tonight? Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. What's on your I mind? I am calling. Be- oh, well, uh, I, was, uh, I avoided Facebook for uh, many years, and then I had to go on it, and that is when I discovered AA Beyond Belief and the Google Groups, 
and the other groups, and it's been a godsend. Oh, use the wrong word. Uh-oh. It's still a good word. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and I just wanted to share that at one point before COVID, uh, a couple of folks in one of the meetings um, started an LGBTQ meeting and added secular to it. And I was very excited because uh, because it was it was going to be a secular meeting, and it just didn't take off because I don't think you can. I don't know if, if the reason it didn't take off is because it was a combination of two almost very different populations, um, but it didn't. And I don't really have a large network, and I've been doing things online, but I have to say I miss kind of the you know, the in-person, the communal feeling. But I, I don't know how to start one without having at least another person interested. And I'm seeing more and more people are starting secular meetings. And um, so I'm getting a lot of hope from that. And maybe I just have to wait for the vaccine to come because, you know, there aren't any rooms to meet in anyway. Yeah, so I wonder yeah. what you thought. That's part of it. I think too that you might not actually even need another another secular person. Um, so, like um, in my area, there are people that are part of our home group that aren't secular that uh, that are believers, um, but they think it's important to have a meeting like ours, and so they support our group um, and participate and take you know do service positions and things like that to keep our meeting going. Um, and, you know, not that we we need that anymore. We have a pretty large group. But um, also, um, like our area delegate that I was working with, um, she is, uh, is a strong believer in not having the Lord's Prayer and in making the meetings um, more uh, secular sounding um, without changing the literature too much because uh, she's not a radical like me. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, another thing is, um, is on how to do that, um, that – she would be uh, interested in helping start a group. And so that's another way to do it is, is that the person doesn't, you know, who helps you doesn't have to be another secular person or within the free thinker realm or anything um, if they're interested in helping and that some people really take, you know, the 12 steps seriously and would do that in order to um, attract or, or to bring in, uh, have a meeting for newcomers, particularly who feel like they can't get sober in AA because of the God language. Yeah. You know, um, I probably could have started that meeting by myself if I was able to go to every single meeting and just wait for someone to show up. But I thought it was really important to have another person there with me because I wanted to make sure that somebody was always there to make that, to make sure that that meeting would take place. And there's no way that I could do it. So having a partner help me start that meeting was really helpful. And we were just really lucky here in Kansas City. For whatever reason, it took off pretty quickly. You know, people were really interested. And and we experienced some of what you were talking about or what's maybe it was maybe it was the caller. I don't know um, where um, people who had been in AA for um, years ago. I think you mentioned this, Angela, years ago, it stopped going because it became too much for them religiously. And then when they learned about a secular A meeting started coming back, we had some of those people, you know, that, that were coming to our group who had that experience. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think I just saw a, a Justin news broadcast on our, our AA Beyond Belief Facebook group from Roger that uh, says, guess what? AA World Services includes secular as one of the types of AA meetings in its meeting guide. So local intergroups and central offices are inclined to do the same these days. So, yeah. Yay. That's very true. I mean, and now it's just taken as uh, taken for granted. I think that most intergroups say, oh, secular meetings? Sure. No problem. <laughs> It's like, you know, in Kansas City, it was not even a thing. It was like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. No, no big deal. But before that, they, before they had that meeting app and had that as a option that you could just click on, groups were saying, mm, 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 don't want to do that. Mm, 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 don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we put like atheist in our, in our title, um, so that people would know that that's what kind of meeting it was. Um, cause you can't always tell with, uh, with we agnostics and, and stuff like that. Um, 
And so the, the downside is then some people, you know, feel like they can't attend if they're not atheist, even though the full title has uh, agnostics and all others in it. Uh, so, but, you know, yeah, you learn as you go. So newer meetings that are starting, you know, another one in town is called Beyond Belief. Um, and, uh, and so it's, it's, we're learning. Um, but yeah, our meeting, it was four of us that started and we really needed four, I think, um, because that did ensure that one or two people were always there. And, um, yeah. And so, you know, one of the members that did get sober in our meeting, um, there were just two of us there. Uh, and, uh, he was, you know, kind of disappointed, of course, because he hoped to like just hide out in the back like other newcomers do. <laughs> and you can't do that when there's only two other people there. So it was pretty funny. So but, before um, we got that call, Angela, I was, I was talking a little bit about the infrastructure and I wanted to kind of, oh, yeah. I want to go to bring that up again. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is just my theory and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really all that smart. Believe me. So I might be totally wrong on this, but I kind of think that the, the, I used to think that we have a great, one of the great strengths of AA is our infrastructure for service. So that like, if you needed help, you know, you could call a phone number anywhere in any city in the world and somebody would answer it. And there were meetings all over the place that you could go to. There were people that could be um, sent out to your house or whatever, you know, they're, they're just an amazing infrastructure, but that infrastructure was built um, during the time when there were phone books, when people were using phone books and people were using paper and people, people were um, more, um, you know, centered on whatever their, their local geographic area is. And of course with the internet, that's, that's been breaking up more and more and more, but now with COVID it's just completely. So now it's like, okay, you have all these online meetings and these online meetings are not going to go away. So how, how should they be listed? Should they be listed in the cities where those people come from? Maybe those people come from all over the world. I just think there needs to be a different infrastructure now to help people find these online meetings, you know, um, cause when these online meetings started, they were just started because they couldn't meet in, in their regular place. So they were just listed on their districts or their local intergroup websites. And that doesn't really work when you have so many people from all over the world that want to go to these meetings. So I think there needs to be some sort of infrastructure that um, utilizes the online resources. And I think that that can start with AA.org. You know, they can use that as a place to um, kind of facilitate um, the online infrastructure that we need. Yeah. I mean, I, they do have the, the online intergroup, but it's, yeah. um, it's a bit um, dated. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and I don't think that it's a quite, you know, I, I could be wrong. So I don't want to offend somebody if, if they're part of that. Um, but I, I think that there needs to be some more thought and additional resources put to updating that with this uh, culture that we're in now, as far as zoom meetings and, um, and the number of them um, that are going to be happening um, because, you know, as things do open up, it's still going to be a different uh, reality than before we uh, moved into this phase. And, uh, and so we have to think uh, in different ways on, on how to do things. So, yeah, I, I agree that uh, some thought needs to be put into, you know, how to structure. Um, and if we can take the best of what AA had, you know, already going and uh, move forward with some new ideas to do a yes and, um, you know, I think that would be great. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how they would do it. Uh, I haven't given that a whole lot of thought. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I think makes AA uh, special or helpful or whatever is the service structure and just the, the structure itself of the individual group. Um, you know, so the individual, the group, and then the, the district and, you know, and how all of that works, because it does seem to me that um, that it's one of the few places where I do see people who have disagreements or different opinions truly get um, a fair uh, a fair hearing, you know, um, they get to, they get to truly voice themselves and people intentionally put themselves in a place to try to listen to the good or what, how, whatever that person is saying is helpful, uh, make sure that they're truly heard and then, and then be willing to change their mind on whatever issue. And we don't have that in a lot of places right now. So, you know, um, uh, the possibility is, I think, um, with it doing more things online, like conferences and such, that uh, 
hopefully more people will be able to see that process. I don't know if they'll get the same feeling from it because it's online, but they'll at least get to witness how um, it how it works um, and uh, and see, you know, that thoughtfulness or caring into, you know, trying to get all voices heard um, happens. I think that there's a chance for that. If you, if you think about it this way, I think that um, when I got involved in general service and I, and, and most groups and most people in AA don't get involved. And the reason they don't is because our home groups are totally autonomous and are at the top of the food chain in AA. So in other words, people are happy with their home group. Their home group can do whatever it wants to do. Why should they even get involved in general service and all of that? Well, now the your home group is the whole world. And now, so things things can change. We have another caller. Let's see who this might be. Oh, I love these calls. Hopefully it's somebody nice. Hello. How you doing? Hello. What's up? What's up with you? Hello. Oh. <laughs> we may have lost him. Um, uh. Or maybe I didn't do it right. But I think we lost him. I could call him back. I'll try to call back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> what happens? Uh, Maybe he had the wrong number, though. Right, Hello, be. hello. How you doing? Were you calling AA Beyond Belief? Yeah, this is uh, Bob K, the real one. Oh my God, Bob! How oh, you doing? The real Bob K. <laughs> Let me, uh, see if I can get where it's a tiny bit quieter. Uh, I just uh, I have a couple of comments. Just uh, just about opening up the content of AA meetings to scientific stuff and things like that. Uh, there's a little bit of danger in that from my perspective. Uh, a lot of people go to AA to talk and uh, not knowing anything about the subject doesn't necessarily stop them. So at a step nine meeting, the guy that wants to talk, you know, I'm not this far in my program yet, but then he talks for six minutes. So we're going to get the fourth-hand version of some good scientific information uh, kind of garbled through uh, three tellings, and I, I don't know that that's going to be very useful. Right. Yeah, I think we're, we're getting it, like you said, anyway, um, so I don't know that that would change. Um, but I, the, the point that I was uh, trying to make is using the big book as if it is the, the ultimate resource, like there's nothing else that has come after it. Um, anyway, I'm not hearing you guys at all, so I'm going to hang up uh, and uh, go back on uh, the computer. So, yeah, so I, I hear what he's saying. I mean, we, we can't get all scientific -y, I guess, but, um, and I know, and I know our personal stories are really the magic of, of AA, but, but I think what the thing is that, you know, people are now using the big book as if it's the scientific truth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, the problem. Like it, yeah. That it, it was divinely inspired. And I've heard that in meetings before that they felt that, uh, that the big book was divinely inspired and, uh, you know, and that it's what you should be using, you know, doing the steps straight out of the book and first 164 and, and all of that stuff. And so, so that was what, you know, I was really thinking um, about when I had this discussion um, or this topic come up was that, you know, that there is more to um, recovery uh, and staying sober than that. And that I don't mind, you know, people talking about it or using it, but just to put it in the context of when it was written. Um, and then, you know, our group is very practical. And, and so we do, you know, talk about uh, current scientific stuff. Uh, sometimes people will, you know, say, I, I read this article. I mean, we're not going to go and research the article and fact check and then come back and tell everybody, you know, that, yes, you can believe in what this person said, you know, we still take it as we do with any share that, you know, if there's something useful in there, cool. If not, you know, cool. And no, uh, none of us are here as an expert. Some of us may be experts, but we're not in the meeting as an expert speaking for the scientific community or AA as a whole. Uh, you know, I'm not totally anti big book, but I do think the big book is kind of problematic for us. I mean, and again, I'm not here to um, say the big book is terrible and we should burn it and ban it and all that kind of stuff or even rewrite it. But like you said, Angela, put it in its context, put it back in its time, consider it as the original document where we, where we um, grew from, you know, but it's really dangerous to have a book that's almost a hundred years old now 
and use that as the, as the source of our topics. You know, when we have to, you know, read language from, I think it's crazy almost. I mean, that book is almost a hundred years old. Seriously. It's crazy. You know, so, you know, um, that's, that's a problem. And, 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 and if we are going to move beyond, you know, and into a new era, I think one thing that's going to have to change is, um, how we, the language that we use to describe our experience, we cannot use this language from the 1930s. We've got to use our own, our own language. And I mean, and I don't mean just the way that we talk in meetings. We can do that already. And I'm not talking about the grapevine and all that crap. I'm talking about a book that addresses the program of recovery that people can refer to. You know, that we can tell the world. I mean, when they wrote the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, one reason they did it is they wanted to let the world know what they do, right? Well, hell, why don't we want to let the world know what we do now? Do we still do what we did in 1930 or whatever? I guess we do, yeah. you know, but some of us don't. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, some, some of us do. <laughs> That's my preaching. And, and, and get fit and get fidio and get fiddlio whatever he says doesn't the big book itself say we realize we know but a little it does it does say that in there and a lot of people forget that they they always say it's um they, they always point out because there's so many inconsistencies they'll point out the part where it says this this book is tells you exactly how to recover or something like that Oh, whatever. I can really get crazy. I, I, I can. You, you sounded like you were preaching the, the good news of secular AA right oh, there. Lordy. I, I do. You know, the thing is though, with me, the reason I get so passionate about the big book is because God damn it. I was, I was one of those muckers. I was the guy with the yellow highlighter that was highlighting every single freaking sentence of that book, you know, and reading it repeatedly. And oh God. And then finally, when I got to the point where I realized, you know, that I don't really buy all that stuff, or at least I wanted to explain it a little bit differently in a more secular way, people started using that book like it was a law book to show me where I was wrong. Right, right. Crazy. Anyway, sorry, I'm kind of losing it. Ed (laughs) W. says, about 20 years ago, Susan Power wrote a book about health and sobriety. She -hmm. couldn't handle AA meetings. She talked a lot about the missing elements of recovery, nutrition being just one element. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things people like about um, Jeffrey Munn's book is that uh, towards uh, the end of it, he addresses some of the things that uh, that we don't talk about um, in uh, recovery that much, or at least um, in uh, the big book and, and stuff. Um, our meeting talks about it, but uh, health being one of them and uh, exercise and, and meditation and stuff. And so... Yeah, I think that's been helpful, or I've heard it's helpful to some of the people in secular recovery. And this person says that reportedly Thomas Jefferson cut out all mention of miracles in his Bible. That's true, the Jefferson Bible. And he says we can do that with the big book, too. And a lot of people have. You know, I did it myself. You can. It's so interesting when you do that, too. If you go through the big book and you see you read a paragraph, okay, you can cross out the God stuff, and all you have left is the practical the practical action, the thing that you actually did or the experience that you actually had. And then the other stuff that says, and, and it's all because of God and we grew closer in our love with God, blah, blah, blah. You, you just erase all that crap. And you know, that's all you need to do anyway. Oh boy. Yeah. I, need, I need a chill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think much of it would be there if, if I were to do that because you know, I, I'm not a wife, so there goes for the wives. And, um, you know, so yeah, so there'd be like, you know, 10 pages, uh, that I, that I could use. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. If, if that works, then, then cool, do it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all for what, uh, what people find that, that's helpful for them. Um, and, uh, and taking what you want and leaving the rest, you know, I remember that from my teen years in Alani and Alateen, um, because it's an, an Al-Anon saying, um, a lot, uh, but it's not said a lot in AA. Nobody in my first, you know, few years ever said, take what you want and leave the rest. Um, you know, <laughs> and yet it was the close of our Alateen meetings, I think. Take what you want and leave the rest. The things that were spoken were uh, spoken in confidence and should remain confidential. Holy crap. Yeah. And yet I can't remember my partner's phone number. <laughs> I like the way Brie words this. She says, our physically younger members. I like that. Physically younger. That's right. I'm a younger member, too. I'm just not physically younger, but I'm I'm young and I'm young mentally. Yeah, they seem to think that we need to prepare for the onslaught of members as their generation is less religious than previous generations. 
I think it's true. And also, yeah, I'm not going to go into the big book again, but they, when you give them a big book, they think it's absolutely weird. But yeah, um, I, I, I think that that's true too, that um, you're going to see some more of that. Oh boy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also, again, it's a, a language thing too, because um, a lot of the the medical community and <laughs> treatment centers, which a lot, these people tend to go to, I mean, they've been raised in a culture that actually consults, you know, um, science uh, and stuff. Um, and so they're, most of the people we're getting are going through treatment centers before coming to our meeting. Um, we don't get a lot of people that just show up because they think they might be an alcoholic. And particularly our young members are not showing up just because they think they might be. It's through treatment centers and stuff. So being open to the language um, that, that they use. So our meeting, you know, doesn't require you to say that you're an alcoholic. You can say, you know, I'm Angela and I can't drink alcohol safely you know true statement and uh you know um yeah things like that and so being open to that um language of uh you know what is the other one that uh, you know some people get really frustrated with it within recovery because they think that it's watered down or you know or it's uh uh what's the other term for it um uh, therapized or, or things like that. But, you know, I think that's where we're at right now. The culture that we're in, you know, has a lot of that language in it. And what is my goal within uh, the recovery community? And, you know, everybody may have a different goal, but mine is to help, you know, somebody who is seeking to uh, get sober or recover from, you know, addiction. And so I'm going to use the language uh, that's going to be most helpful uh, for them. And for some people, it is God language. Again, you know, I sponsor people who are um, Christian and LDS and all of that kind of stuff. And um, and so I use the language that's better for them. Um, but I'm finding that with the younger people that come to our, our meetings or that are coming in, they're coming in from treatment centers and they have an aversion to the word alcoholic. And so, you know, um, letting them be able to describe what's going on with them and what they think their problem is, is, you know, I think helpful. Um, something that we can look at to test whether or not these online meetings are here to stay is look at some of these countries that have already dealt with COVID successfully. For mm. example, I was talking to, um, not talking to, but I was emailing with a friend of mine in Australia in Sydney. And he, see, and he, and he says that, you know, things have pretty much gotten back to normal there in, in Australia. So, but he's still having these online meetings. So, you know, I, I wonder if that's if, if we're going to just see see that as life returns to whatever the normal is, then those online meetings are going to continue like they are in Sydney. In fact, I think that I think in Australia they've actually grown the number of online meetings that they've had. You know that that, that they started with, they actually have more of them now. I think if I I haven't been paying, yeah, so. Yeah. So that, no, I think our, our lifestyle is like that. And I would say that, um, that, yeah, some of our, our younger members, it's easier for them to have an online meeting. Every, not everything, but a lot of their life is already online. Um, and depending on where they're at in their life. So I've, I'm noticing the people who are in their thirties that are doing the starting a family and, you know, mid career and, and things like that. Um, it's easier for them to be able to pop into an online meeting as their partner is putting their kids to bed or something than it is for them to drive across town and, uh, be there in person and then, you know, go back home and do all of that. So I, I think that that's a factor or going to be a factor as well that, uh, that we should consider or more yeah somebody wanted to know if uh, people can curse at meetings I, I think ever since i've been in aa people have been cursing at meetings but that oh, just might yeah. be yeah there's, there's some signs <laughs> that are up at meetings that uh that say that oh, but you can't that well basically that as you get sober your language improves or something like that um oh. that you don't swear as much which fuck i don't know when that's gonna happen <laughs> sometimes uh, it's liberating so, sometimes it sometimes you really need to say the f yeah, word i think you yeah. know i don't know well, you know, and just like sometimes at meetings, um, people need to to say their frustration with other kinds of meetings and and stuff like that. You know, it's part of getting it out of our system. And um, and sometimes, you know, those words are the most appropriate word for what's happening at the time. Um, but yeah, so as we're rounding out, you know, some other ways I was thinking of uh, that we can help with this if we want to is, uh, you know, to start new meetings, whether online or or in person um, when you can and when it's feasible. Um, and then the first thing to do, register with GSR. 
uh, or GSO, you know, that you're meeting. And then they send the information to the, uh, the local, uh, central office or intergroup or however it is that your area does things. Sometimes it's district. Um, and then decide on somebody to be a GSR and start attending the district meetings. And, um, and by doing that, you're becoming a part of the process. So you get to be part of deciding how AA is going to run. Um, you know, and, uh, and, you know, whether we design a new way, uh, of having online groups be representation of, you know, the larger community and stuff like that. Or, you know, another easy thing is to just bring topics like the 1958 letter, <laughs> to, um, to meetings, you know, um, whether they're secular or not. I think it's particularly helpful if you're attending a, a, uh, more traditional meeting to bring stuff like that because it is something that a lot of people don't know about. Um, and that's again, where this pandemic has been helpful is that, uh, that more people are looking at uh, the various literature and looking at AA history and, uh, you know, didn't know a lot about all of these different things um, before because they were, they were, you know, just in doing their thing, you know, they were doing the thing that was keeping them sober, which was going to meetings and maybe, you know, sponsoring and, you know, whatever. Um, and then, you know, they didn't know all of this other information and history and, and stuff was out there and, and now they do. So I think it's going to be a different a different AA. Yeah. Did, but you, maybe see not, Kit, did you see Kit Fidlio's comment? It kind of cracked me up. He said, thankfully, the third tradition only specifies a desire to stop drinking. It doesn't say shit. Enjoy the irony about profanity. <laughs> <laughs> right, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, at our first meeting, um, not one of our first, not our first meeting, but at one of our early meetings, um, a woman said the F word and whatever. And then she, she, she said, Oh man, am I allowed to cuss here? And so, um, I just went, I, I, when I was my turn, I said like every other word was an F bomb or something. (laughs) I think that you gotta be free to do, but I know, I know it can be a little ridiculous at times, but I don't know. I've always heard the cussing ever since I've been in AA. I don't know how you can get rid of it. Right. Yeah. And I don't know that, you know, I, I, oh, actually I do recall in our meeting, um, in some of the early days that there was a member, two members who were, um, older, um, in both age and sobriety. Uh, so physically as well, Brie, um, and, um, and they were having a hard time because we did have a younger, um, new person who that's all they did. They, you know, go on like the, the rant and every other word was a swear word. And, uh, and the concern that they had was that we were in a, um, religious facility and how that might appear, you know, the, the reflection it would have on our group. Um, and so they, they wanted to try to put some sort of statement in our, you know, um, meeting template regarding that. And, uh, and so we had a, a group conscience and, um, and I said that I didn't think that was appropriate because most of us don't get here, you know, in the greatest, uh, condition. Um, and so being able to express what's going on with us in the language that is most helpful to us is probably, um, you know, something that I think is important. Plus we're an open meeting, you know, if we were closed, then, you know, maybe you can do whatever. Also we meet in, in a Unitarian fellowship. I mean, they've, they've heard worse. Um, you know, this particular one did a, a sermon on Battlestar Galactica. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to be okay, you know, with that. And if they had a problem that they would come and talk to us about it and we could address it then, but trying to preemptive, uh, get people to not swear just uh yeah it it seems like um useless to me joe wanted, you, joe wanted you to really quickly refresh us about the letter and you're talking about the letter on emotional sobriety right yeah yeah, yeah. it's uh, the 1958 letter called uh the next frontier emotional sobriety uh written by bill w the Bill W, not the other Bill W that, you know, that's written another book and, and stuff. But yeah, the Bill W. And it's, uh, as I understand it, it was a letter that he wrote after receiving a letter from somebody who was suffering from depression and trying to, you know, understand or reaching out because they didn't understand why they were still feeling depressed um, when they've been a member of AA and they were sober and, you know, isn't it supposed to get better type of thing and since you know bill w um suffered from depression as well as um you know other things um, uh, 
uh, he felt compelled to write. And that's how this came about is that he, you know, was looking at the other things that he um, had learned over, you know, how many years was that? 58. And then, you know, yeah, a lot of years. I don't do math as well. Um, that uh, what else he's learned. And it was that, you know, that there's an emotional sobriety that um, that you can't just change your addiction from drinking to AA. I mean, you can for a short time and it will help you, you know, to to stay sober. Um, maybe your life will get a little bit better if you're not drinking daily. Uh, but that oftentimes for uh, the majority of us, that's not um, the cure uh, that we have to continue to do work um, on ourselves in order to change the way that we think about things so that we can stay in reality or, you know, live, you know, compatibly with reality um, that, you know, that uh, let's see what was it Alan Berger said that that we um, that we ha- can have a life that we don't need to escape and uh, yeah I think that's mainly what it and was. And Joe, I put a link in there for, to that um, from the Grapevine. Uh, it's, it's on AA Beyond Belief, but it was published in the Grapevine that letter, and you can go, you can actually click on that link and, and go read it. So we're coming up to to an hour. Um, I guess I've got some announcements to make, a couple of them anyway. Um, Let's start with this one. I don't know if any of you guys went to Higher Palooza. I think they've actually had two of them now because Higher Palooza 3 is going to be here on September 20th. Higher Palooza 3. It's a Zoom meeting and it will be, I'll, I'll post some information about it on um, AA Beyond Belief and also on the Secular AA website, but it will be at, I don't know. I'll have to give you more information on that. Oh, it's at 9.20 at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. Um, so anyway... And then another um, announcement is that um, Angela and I are going to be doing another live stream tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I have it on the phone. <laughs> yep. And it's going to feature Steve Kay from the Manchester area in the United Kingdom. And the reason that we're doing it is we, we had uh, a couple of requests from people in Europe who wanted to have a live stream when it's not two o'clock in the morning their time. <laughs> so, so we decided to do one. It'll be six o'clock. Um, PM British, they call it British summertime. And I did not know that, uh, BST British summertime. It'll be six o'clock their time, six o'clock PM. And that will be, Oh God, I don't know. You have to do the math and figure out what time it is <laughs> where, where you live. I can't remember now. Right. Doggone it. Yeah. I, I, but anyway, it's, uh, it'll be 11 AM mountain time. So okay, there you go. Uh, 10 AM central. And then yeah, 11, go that'll be 12, 12 central 12? and one. Central? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. These time zones are hard to hard to I, yeah, deal with, aren't they? I don't they? know why that is. <laughs> you know, again, I don't do the maths well, so that, maybe that's, that's the why. one thing about all of this and this COVID thing is we're going to get to know the time zones in all these different places. Well, you'd think, but it's been you know how many months now, and I still get confused. <laughs> well, that's it. That's another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, what a great topic. Uh, thanks for everybody who called. Thanks for all the comments on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, like I said, we're going to be here um, actually tomorrow uh, for uh, with our talk with Steve Kay. And then every Friday, we will do a sober distancing episode, a live stream. And we will so we'll be back again real soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.